Brilliant. Thanks very much, David. Um, so, yeah, it's great to be here this morning and to be able to share with you um, and continue the series of the life we were made for. Um, you know, this is an opportunity just for us to really think about what is it that we've been made for? How is it that we're to live our lives? And today we're going to be looking at a life of peace. So I spoke back in the summer when we were doing the Inside Out series on inner peace. So this morning it's going to be slightly different and we're going to be looking at what does that kind of life, that external um, kind of peace look like as well. It's going to be looking at kind of how do we receive and how do we bring peace into situations that we experience. That could be peace between ourselves and God. It can be peace with those around us, you know, with our families, our friends, our workplaces, um, our places of study. Um, and it can even be that kind of peace with creation as well. So there's a lot of situations in the world, isn't there, at the moment where peace is lacking. Israel and Gaza is one obvious one. Ukraine and Russia is another and listening, I don't know if any of you listen to Mark Sayers' um, podcast. He's a uh, pastor over in Australia, but he's got a, a podcast called Rebuilders, which just really kind of reflects on some of the things going on in the world from a Christian perspective as well. But he was, men he was mentioning, am I sounding echoey to everyone? No, good. Um, he was mentioning that there's other, you know, some of the other things that are going on in the world. Um, there's been an ethnic cleansing in an Armenian enclave in Azerbaijan. Um, there's a war in Sudan. And Pakistan has recently ordered 1.6 million Afghan refugees to go back to Afghanistan. And, you know, these are just a handful of conflicts, international conflicts that are happening around the world right now. But for others of us, conflict is a lot closer to home. We might be experiencing conflict in our workplaces, in our homes, within our friendship groups. And we all know that conflict is hard. And for anyone in the midst of that right now, I want you to know that God knows your pain. He sees your situations and he will be your strength and your guide through it. Now, I don't know how planned this was, but I'm sure it was, it was planned um, well in advance. But obviously, as we've already kind of observed today is Remembrance Sunday and I'm doing this talk on peace. So that's very good. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's the day that we remember, as Adjua said, you know, this is um, the day we remember those who've laid down their lives um, in the hope of bringing peace and in protecting the safety of our country. And according to the British Legion website, the red poppy is a sign of both remembrance and of hope for a peaceful future. And yet peace isn't just simply that absence of conflict as the world so generally perceives it. According to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, um, peace is a state of tranquility or quiet, um, such as freedom from civil, dis dis civil disturbance or a state of security or order within a community provided for by law or custom. It's freedom from disquieting or oppressive thoughts or emotions. It's harmony in personal relations. It's a state or a period of mutual concord between governments and a pact or agreement to end hostilities between those who have been at war or in a state of enmity. But, you know, peace in a biblical sense is so much more, is so much deeper and more holistic. And the word most commonly used in the Bible for peace is the Hebrew word shalom. And this refers not simply, as I said, to the absence of conflict, Indeed, we can experience shalom right in the midst of conflict, as we looked at in the preach I did in the summer. 
but rather it refers to the presence of something so much better, wholeness and completeness of health, safety, welfare, security, harmony, prosperity, tranquility, of restoration to the way things were intended to be by our creator God, and in particular of reconciliation between ourselves and God, of that re relationship that was intended from the beginning to be restored. And the Bible Project, which is a great resource if you've not ever looked at it before, um, explain it in this way. The core idea is that life is complex, full of lots of different moving parts and relationships and situations. And when any of these is out of alignment or is missing, your shalom breaks down. Life is no longer whole and it needs to be restored. So true, lasting peace doesn't come from pushing down our emotions and pretending that they don't exist, nor does it come from a kind of diktat from above, from a parent or a boss, which for a period of time might ease tensions, but actually just enables the frustrations to rise again in the future. Instead, it comes from a deeper awareness of our identity in Jesus and learning to live this out in practice. Then the things upset us and frustrate us can be approached in a different way. And the peace of God's kingdom that surpasses all understanding can be experienced. Ultimately, Jesus is peace. He is the example of the perfect man who lived um, life and relationship with God the Father and with others in the way that it was intended to be. He was given the name by Isaiah, um, the Prince of Peace. And it's through him that we can experience real peace, as his peace has no end. So that was my introduction. <laughs> it was a bit long, but it was good just to get a sense of what is it that we're talking about when we're talking about peace. Um, and I just want us to look at um, how we can live this life of peace, of this life of shalom, in these four different ways. You know, when sin entered the world, humanity's relationship with God was broken, and it was broken um, with, uh, between ourselves and God. It was broken between ourselves and others, um, within ourselves even, and within the created world. And I want us to take some time this morning just to consider how we can live out lives of peace and shalom in these areas. So firstly, how do we experience the shalom of God? Well, whatever our thoughts on how well it does it, the UN is one of the most well-known organizations that's aiming to bring peace into the world. And outside their headquarters in New York is a small little park, um, and on the wall um, in that park is this inscription, um, which is a quote from Isaiah chapter 2, verse 4. And it says, They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. And while admirable, it fails to mention the sentence before and the verse after, and in so doing, it feels like um, it doesn't, well, it ignores the way that this longed-for peace is actually found. So the, the sentence before says, he, that's God, will judge between nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. And then the, the verse after says, come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. So what does it mean to walk in the light of the Lord and allow him to be the judge as we seek to live this life of peace? 
Well, firstly, when God made us as human beings, he placed us in shalom. He placed us in the Garden of Eden that was this perfect place of harmony and tranquility until sin entered the world and Adam and Eve rebelled against God. And much of the Old Testament in the Bible shows this kind of futile pattern of um, humanity turning to God, experiencing his peace, feeling content, and then doing what was right in their own eyes, in the words of the book of Judges. Peace was short-lived and increasingly unattainable. The issue then and the issue now with the conflict that we experience in our lives is that it's rooted in that separation from God, created when we as humans rebelled against him, rebelled against the one who created us and created us to be in relationship with him. But thankfully, God wasn't finished with us messed up humans and put a rescue plan in place that um, he would come to earth and take the punishment that we deserved so that he could be, so we, sorry, could be seen as whole and complete, reconciled with him forever and once again live in that kingdom of shalom. Paul, um, who was a writer in the New Testament, puts it like this in his letter to the Colossians in chapter one. He says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, that's in Jesus, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. When Jesus died, the temple curtain was torn in two. It was torn, importantly, from the top to the bottom, and this shows it wasn't torn by human hands, but by God. The curtain kept the Holy of Holies separate from the world. And it was here, only once a year, that the high priest could come in and meet God and offer sacrifices. But now the curtain was torn in two, access to God was made available to all, and the rescue plan had worked. So if we accept that Jesus is God's son, who left the riches of heaven to become poor and to live amongst us in our broken and messed up lives in order to achieve God's rescue plan... We can have unconditional access to him. We can experience his peace and his restoration in our lives now. And yes, you know, it doesn't all happen at once. And we do continue to live in this age of darkness and brokenness while simultaneously living in the reality of the kingdom of God, which has broken into the world. But one day we will live solely in that kingdom and that's going to be amazing. So to walk in the light of the Lord is to recognize that Jesus is the one who saves us and to walk towards him, allowing him to light the way and direct our steps. And as we do, we will increasingly experience his peace in our lives. So secondly, how do we live a life of shalom with others? We're told in lots of other places in the Bible as well that God is the one to judge. We are not to attempt to judge others for their actions. For we don't truly know the state of somebody's heart or their relationship with Jesus. Our job is to love God and love others around us. And as we follow Jesus, we're called to model his example, to create peace for those around us as well. And in the same way that he reconciled us to God, so we are to forgive those around us and to seek reconciliation with others. Now, I recognize that in many instances, this is far from easy or straightforward. And it's important, you know, I don't want you to mishear me. Forgiveness is not the same as forgetting. It's not erasing the past. It's not an alternative to justice. Forgiveness is the act of acknowledging and releasing our pain, relating to an offense or an injustice and trusting it to God and knowing that he will, that he sees it and he will bring justice, even if that justice looks different to what we thought it might be.
or what we'd like it to be. When we seek justice, we seek it with all our biases, our experiences, our prejudices. But when God seeks justice, he brings it righteously. So forgiveness is an act of empowerment, not an act of weakness. And it's also often with deep pain, an ongoing decision, not an instant fix. And in some cases, you know, clinical care, counseling and therapy is needed to help us in this journey. So please hear me. I'm not um, belittling that or suggesting that there is a quick fix. But how do we forgive? With the help of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is needed to enable us to truly forgive in our hearts and to let go and not hold on to pain. As followers of Jesus, we're called to create peace around us, and that requires humility, gentleness, and patience. Each morning, Mike and I say the Lord's Prayer together, and whenever we get to the part that says, forgive our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us, it reminds me that I just need to release. Is there anything in my heart of that unforgiveness that I just need to release before the Lord that morning? And that's hard. And sometimes it feels easier and more comfortable to hold on to the offense and the, fight the injustice rather than let it go. But it's important that we do. Otherwise, roots of bitterness and unforgiveness take hold in our hearts and our minds can become preoccupied with it rather than on the things of God. And we need to allow him to be judge and not us. You know, in my experience of praying about conflict situations that I've experienced, praying has been key to sorting them out. It's helped me to put aside my own pride and stubbornness, and it's helped me to see from others' perspectives through God's eyes. I can't be responsible for how others react and how others respond, but I can be responsible for what I do and how I respond. One particular situation in a previous workplace um, a few years ago where I took offense to the actions and attitudes of a colleague that I was working with, I was so cross with him, but you'll be pleased to know I decided not to call him into a meeting right there and then and let all my frustrations out in that moment. Um, instead, I decided to reflect on it overnight and address it in the morning. You see, I knew it needed addressing. Sweeping it under the carpet or ignoring it wasn't going to create peace either. It was simply putting off potentially even bigger conflict for another day. So that evening, I poured out my frustration to God. I cried with him, I shouted at him, but I also received his peace. I was humbled to allow God to show me the things that I'd said and done to my colleague, which weren't that helpful, and to allow God to show me things from the other man's perspective. This meant that when we met the next day, I was able to calmly talk about what happened, to apologize for my actions, um, and to explain how I'd been hurt. And, you know, it was, we had a really good chat as a result of that, and our relationship kind of strengthened as a result. And, you know, this and other experiences have shown me just how important it is to bring these things to God and not to take justice in our, into our own hands in the heat of the moment and equally not to ignore it either. <clears throat> now, anyone who's done the marriage course or the pre-marriage course will know that there are people like rhinos and people like hedgehogs. Um, so rhinos charge headfirst into conflict and then hedgehogs kind of retreat and shy away from it at all costs. And, you know, there's others of us that are somewhere in between that as well. But I think it's important to understand how we naturally react to conflict and to bring the situations that we face to God for his input before we charge straight in or we try and hibernate away. 
Living in peace goes, simply be, goes beyond simply learning, though, to deal with conflict, hurt, and offense. There's plenty of verses in the Bible that talk about the importance of living peaceful lives with each other, and particularly with other believers, of words of encouragement to each other, of restoration, of being of one mind. And I'm just going to read through some of them now, and they're going to come up on the, onto the screen, I think. So... It's just one slide, but I'm going to read through them all. Romans 12. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. 2 Corinthians 13 says, Strive for full restoration, encourage one another, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Hebrews 12. Make every effort to live in peace and everyone to be holy, with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Romans 14. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Psalm 37 says, Consider the blameless, observe the upright, a future awaits those who seek peace. Psalm 34 says, Turn from evil and do good, seek peace and pursue it. And then Jeremiah 29 says, Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. And that word prosper is that word for shalom. Now, as we read through these verses, I don't get a sense of peace being a passive thing, but rather something to aim for, to strive for, to seek. There's an action required on us to live in this way. It seems that peace isn't just something that comes easy or an absence of something, but rather something that we need to require, that requires work. And yet it's important to learn to live this way. And I think that's because, you know, as seekers of shalom, um, you know, we're ambassadors of Christ. We're citizens of God's kingdom. And so we're called to seek to bring his kingdom into the lives of those around us of the people that we encounter, of our family, our friends, our colleagues, our neighbours, even strangers. And that includes bringing his shalom and his peace into those situations. We're told in Isaiah chapter 11 that God's kingdom is marked by one of peace. It's going to be like, the, and this is what he says, the wolf will lie down with the, will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together and a little child will lead them. You know, in a world marked by individualism, by fear and anxiety of what others think about us, by competition and rivalry, from the classroom to the boardroom, from the football pitch to national boundaries, we as Christians are called to live a different way, a countercultural, upside down, kingdom way of thinking and living, a life of peace and not a life of competition. And this countercultural life means not aggravating situations, not antagonizing or winding up others around you. You know, when I was little, um, I've got a brother who's about 20 months younger than me, and he was absolutely brilliant at doing this. He would know exactly how to push my buttons, to wind me up, and then he'd sit back and, and kind of just enjoy the scene as I would then, like, the fireworks would all light, light up, um, I'd overreact, and then I was the one that would get into trouble, believe it or not. Um, it means about helping to put out or diminish fires um, that others are trying to start around us not aggravate them, not add fuel to them. And indeed, the Bible also tells us that there's a special reward for those who are peacemakers. 
helping to bring peace and reconciliation into unpeaceful situations, not just living in peace with others. Those who bring peace in this way are called blessed and are promised a harvest of righteousness and joy. And this means ministering reconciliation between parties where possible. Not as qualified mediators, although some of us maybe are, but as those who are disciples of Jesus. And as such, we've been given a ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation with the Father, which enables reconciliation and forgiveness with each other. So thirdly, so we can experience shalom with God, we can experience shalom with others, and we can experience shalom with ourselves. And I'm not really going to cover too much on this because, well, I'm not really going to cover it because this is what I kind of covered back in the summer. So if you want to look at that, listen to that again. That was on the 9th of July. If you want to go back onto the podcast or the YouTube, you can listen to that again. But really, there's just, you know, it's about how do we live with that inner peace with inside us. Um, and then fourthly, um, and finally, um, and again, I'm not going to go into loads of detail on this one, but we um, are called to experience a life of shalom with the created world as well. When God created Adam and Eve, he created humanity, he put them in charge and he put um, of ruling the earth of his creation on his behalf. And they were called to work the earth um, and creation and to take care of it. And yet when they disobeyed God, when they tried to live life in their own way, judging for themselves what was good and bad. The harmonious relationship with creation broke down. And we're called as children of God, as his ambassadors on earth, to continue with that original mandate. As a result, um, Christian, as, you know, as Christians, we should take seriously the fact that the gospel is integral to all our relationships, and that includes our relationship with the world around us. So caring for God's creation should be of concern to us both because he's called us to that as humans, to steward and to look after it. But also, if it's something that's on God's heart, if he cares about it, then it should be something that we care about as well. And again, Tom White did a really excellent series, a couple of talks with Darren Evans, um, who's part of our church, um, on the podcast during COVID. So again, go back and have a listen over that um, if you want to kind of explore more about how that kind of creation care works out in practice. So we've covered quite a lot of ground this morning, and I'm just going to summarise for us as we finish off. And perhaps, um, I think we're going to, I've just got a few things to say um, as I summarise and go into a bit of ministry, and then David's going to come up and, um, as he said, pray for some healing, which is exciting. Um, So as Christians, we're called to live this life of peace, to a ministry of reconciliation. And through Christ, we have been reconciled to God. We have been given his shalom, his perfect peace and well-being. And as his ambassadors, we are called to give that shalom to others as well, to model his peace in our relationships with those around us, to learn to live at peace with ourselves and who God's made us to be, and to care for and to bring back shalom to God's beautiful created world. And we do this all through the power of the Holy Spirit with gentleness, humility, and patience, trusting that he will bring justice to the situations we experience and help us to learn to let go of the hurt that others have done to us as we have been forgiven so we can learn to forgive others. So having a life of peace is living a life, modelling the gospel itself and reflecting its reconciling powers in our life. So for some of you this morning, you might be here and you've never put your faith in Jesus or invited him to come into your life. 
Maybe this is the first time you've heard about how Jesus made a way for God to forgive you and to enable you to have that relationship and that peace with him for eternity. And I'm just going to invite all of us just now, if we can, just to stand. Um, And if that is you today... um, and you've heard about Jesus, and you want to take that first step of opening the door to your heart and receiving his shalom, then please just pray this prayer with me, and it's going to come up on the screens. You can just pray it in your hearts um, to Jesus. Lord Jesus, I confess my sins, and I ask for your forgiveness. Please come into my heart as my Lord and Saviour. Take control of my life and help me to walk in your footsteps daily by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for saving me and for answering my prayer. Amen. And if you said that for the first time, you know, this is the first step in the adventure of following Jesus and finding that abundant life fulfillment and peace in him and we just really love to help you to start on that on that journey well so please come and have a chat with me if you've if you've done that today if you'd like to come chat with me chat with David chat to Adjua we'd be more than happy to kind of explain a little bit more to you and give you a little um new believers pack as well that we've got um but there was one other thing as I was preparing for this talk that I just felt some of you might be in this place um I was just conscious that some people here maybe are holding on to situations that you know you need to give over to Jesus. Like I was saying, sometimes it's easier to hold on to things than it is to give them to Jesus. And I just feel that there's people here um, where you know God's been speaking to you about that this morning, about allowing him to bring that healing and that restoration. So I'm just going to lead us into a little bit of a a prayer around that, and then I'm going to hand over to David to talk more about healing. So if that is you, if you've come and you feel like there are things that you just need to give over to Jesus to receive his peace, then I just want you to kind of like hold out your hands, but turn your palms this way down as I start to pray. And then um, you're going to turn them back over to receive from him. So Lord, we just want to come before you this morning. Lord, we want to thank you that you are the giver of peace in our lives, that you are the one um, who has that authority to judge and the one who can bring reconciliation. And Lord, we just want to leave with you now the things that are on our hearts, the things that have been concerning us, troubling us, the things that we've not dared to let go of or not felt able to let go of. Holy Spirit, would you come now Would you just let us, let these things go to you. Give them over to you. And just name those things in your heart before him now. And then when you feel ready, turn your hands back over. And Lord, we thank you that you are the giver of life that you are the reconciler, that you are the redeemer, that you are the healer. Holy Spirit, fill us afresh with that today. Be at work in our lives and these areas that we've given over to you, that we would know you as our strength and as our overcomer. 
Help us to receive your peace this morning. Amen.